Welcome to the Get Over Yourself podcast. This is author and athlete Brad Kearns discovering ways to be healthy, fit, and happy in hectic, high-stress modern life. So let's slow down and take a deep breath, take a cold plunge, and expertly balance that competitive intensity with an appreciation of the journey. That's the theme of the show. Here we go. The Get Over Yourself podcast is brought to you by Almost Heaven, beautiful compact home use sauna kits, ancestral supplements, grass-fed organ meats in a capsule, DNA Fit, genetic testing for custom diet and exercise recommendations, Integro Health, high-potency liquid probiotic called Flourish, Organifi, organic powdered superfoods, delicious green, gold, and red powders, Wild Idea Buffalo, sustainable, grass-fed, beyond organic, real ketones, clean burning ketones for athletic performance and fat loss. And check out the bradkerns.com slash shop page. That's my personal selection of favorite products for health, fitness, and peak performance. And here we go with the show. So it's like awesome. You've made a billion dollars and like your life is a disaster. We all think our problems are also unique to us. And, and really once we exchange with other people, we realize it's usually not that unusual. I think once we forego the idea of living up to the expectation of either our neighbor or, or the world around us or the ad man or whatever, that liberation becomes a freedom that I think everyone should be bold enough to say, that I have to take for myself. This is Brad to tell you about my favorite performance supplement, Real Ketones. They are makers of the most scientifically advanced, most heavily researched supplemental ketone product available in the world. Yes, you can now drink exogenous ketones, the same ketones that your liver makes from devoted dietary restriction, and you get quickly into ketosis to support your athletic weight loss, cognitive performance, and disease protection goals. People, I have been in the performance nutrition game for a long time, and I must proclaim that ketone supplements are the greatest breakthrough in performance nutrition in decades. To date, we've had protein powders, which is great, and then we've had a bunch of powdered, sugary drinks and gels and blocks and bars. Ketones are a vastly superior, cleaner, burning fuel source than glucose. In fact, glucose produces 45 times more free radicals than ketones. That's why the ketogenic diet is so popular for treating seizures, cancer, athletic peak performance, and fat loss. Personally, what I do is I drink my real ketones before, during, and after high-intensity or long-duration workouts. This way, I turbocharge fat burning, and I get the absolute cleanest burning fuel source ever. Science validates that exercising in ketosis generates less inflammation, especially in the highly sensitive brain cells. That's why you feel fried the morning after a tough workout and you have less cellular destruction, less muscle soreness. And here is Real Ketone's breakthrough product. It's called Prime D+, a multi-patented formula combining ultra-high potency BHB salts with MCT oil 
to quickly get your body into sustained ketosis and no crash effect because MCT oil helps boost internal fat and ketone production. The science is there, peoples. Real Ketones has spent over a million dollars in product research. It's time for you to join the revolution to the highest quality fuel. Go to bradkerns.com's shopping page, bradkerns.com slash shop, click the link and get 10% off your first bottle of Real Ketones Prime D+. You can learn more at realketones.com. Hey, listeners, what a fantastic opportunity coming up to listen to a truly remarkable, interesting breakthrough person that is Gabby Reese. Yes, the international fitness celebrity, former pro beach volleyball star, TV host, supermodel, author, columnist, podcast host. She was named one of the 20 most influential women in sports by Women Sports and Fitness and one of the top five most beautiful women in the world by Elle magazine and other celebrity fitness athletic accolades and accomplishments. And you know what's great about Gabby is that she is the real deal. She's like a breath of fresh air here in the branded, influential, celebrity culture of manufactured lives and positioning of your message. And I learned this within a few minutes of meeting her for the first time in person in Malibu. I was just introduced to her by our mutual buddy, Sisson, and Right out of the blue, she just got into a deep, intense conversation lasting only a few minutes as we were leaving a restaurant, but she had such thoughtful insights, it inspired me to go pick up her 2013 book titled, My Foot is Too Big for the Glass Slipper, A Guide to a Less Than Perfect Life. Uh, the title alludes to the fact that she's six foot three, uh, volleyball legend, supermodel type person with a larger than life presence. And I got into this audiobook and I was immediately captivated because she offered these relationship insights and storytelling with such intense honesty and authenticity and vulnerability that you don't hear so often. And always with a sense of humor and a lighthearted touch and self-deprecation throughout, just being real and talking about trying to live a better life. So I really think you're going to enjoy this show we touch on some really fun and interesting topics. How to be motivated for peak performance by gratitude rather than that old story of that drive and intensity because you were wronged or had a difficult upbringing. Getting really good at listening, both in your partnership and especially as a parent. And we talk a lot about the topic of parenting, particularly how to guard against the modern trend of helicopter parenting. And Gabby's big on letting her kids figure things out on their own, maybe even having some stumbles and challenges along the way. We talk about the wisdom that you get as you get older and recalibrating your goals accordingly, and then how to balance it all because she's got so much stuff going on, but she's chill about it. She's grateful. And at the same time, she's a tough, focused, intense, driven woman. She talks about having that personal accountability and getting rid of the storytelling and the excuse making. So let's get into it with Gabby Reese. I know you're going to enjoy this show. Aloha. Hi. Hi, Gabby. How are you? I'm great. How about you? Good. You enjoying a long stay in Hawaii? I'm actually in California at the moment. I'll be going back on Tuesday. Uh, so you're, uh, you're okay in, in Malibu? Did you guys get cleared out or what happened? Um, well, 
Laird saved our house. We, um, <laughs> he, has a, we had, he had gotten 10 years prior a pump and traded two surfboards for a fire suit. And um, they were all quite organized in our garage. And I was always like, mm-hmm. Whatever. And then he saved our house and a few neighbors' house with the pump in our pool. So it was a good deal. <laughs> Another story, just like saving the dude at the Malibu Pier when he was out in the big surf. Oh, yeah. That's right. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Well, uh, I appreciate you. <laughs> I appreciate you joining me. I think uh, you guys are the, the fresh air of the planet. I know we just had some quick meetings at Malibu at the at the hangout, and uh, we, we chatted for just a few minutes. But you were so you were so real and authentic, and gave some insights about parenting and athletic recovery from injuries. So um, it seems like you're kind of known for that as being uh, real, authentic, open, honest, vulnerable. It seems like your your calling card, huh? Kind of a weird thing, though, right? Because then does that become inauthentic if you're known for being that way, right? <laughs> right. You have to come up with something raw and controversial to say because you're so honest. Yeah. yeah, or you just have to go away for a little bit and try to become a, a an extended version of yourself and then have something new to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> go, go write some journal entries and then come out and share it with the world. Yeah, something like that. Now, it, do you ever feel any stress or backlash from not being a manufactured, crafted brand, such as someone in your position is mostly expected to be? You know, I think the only time that that, and I've, I've, you know, I'm luckily being older, like you learn a lot of valuable lessons. Um, <clears throat> I mean, we all do. Hopefully that's the hope, right? Um, oh my gosh. That's, that's, if you're going to think of benefits of getting older, I mean, honestly, yeah. you know, we're both old time athletes. You're not spiking the volleyball on the, in the sand anymore and getting way high over the net, but there's right. gotta be something good out of it. And that's one that you just referenced. It's just that wisdom and that reflection. So you can act accordingly in, in daily life. Yeah. And so I think for me, um, maybe the most uncomfortable part is if you're trying to be, um, like sincere and you aren't guarded. And so if you're throwing out ideas that are very personal to yourself and then people criticize that, I think that become, that can be tricky. And I, and then you start to have other things that you learn about. Um, in some ways that doesn't have anything to do with me, right? Like someone having a response to something I'm doing, if I'm, if I'm not being malintended, let's say, um, I don't know. It's just like you, sorry, I'm just going to move over to the light. Um, you just, you kind of receive it as an understanding of where they're at and not take it personal. So I think, listen, we have to answer to ourselves. So at the end of the day, if I can answer to myself and if I can apologize when I'm wrong or identify that as often as I can, we blow that too. Um, and I feel like, you know, I have Laird's respect. I think I, I think that that ends up being the most powerful thing. And then you sort of take the gamble of people criticizing you because they will anyway, whether I'm doing something that's super slick and glossy or I'm being who I am. It's like, there's always going to be that. That's just part of, it's sort of like, you know, Laird always says bright light, dark shadow. I just think that's the nature of the universe. Wow. And I guess if you can do that, 
in a on a public stage and then go back to your real personal life it's i guess you could use that as a powerful vehicle and and see the benefit of that rather than being hassled by uh being a public figure and, and feeling stressed about it well let's be clear though people actively pursue to be public figures right unless you're a private person that's been ousted in a public way okay like that happens too right like someone is a byproduct living a personal life and somehow got connected to a public situation. But short of that, when you live a public, when you have a job that sort of, that has public elements to it, you're actively pursuing that. So for you to be annoyed or, or surprised is sometimes it's ignorant. And I also understand because I have friends that are very famous. It's easier for Laird and I, cause we're sort of in this other tier. And also we're both bigger, like I'm six, three. So when I'm walking public, people are generally pretty polite where let's say I have friends that are very, very famous and they're actresses, so they're more compact or petite. And the fact is, is they're living in people's home every day. So people feel a familiarity with them that they may not feel with me, right? So I think it's also understanding all the sides. So that person who is public and highly rewarded financially and with other things, the fact that they get to do that as a job, but sometimes, you know, um, people don't understand also that they're, they're a person. But I think for me, you know, I've broken it down to like, you're occupying a space. And so, um, you know, I, the more that my life, you know, reflects who I really am, whether it's publicly or privately, I think that that's, that feels right to me. Uh, This could be a a weird offshoot question, but you mentioned, your size, Laird is, a, Laird is a large guy, muscular guy too, and you're the uh, the, the, the supermodel, volleyball, ideal, uh, you know, tall woman, and you're walking around in public, uh, unusual. Does that affect uh, how you think you're perceived uh, in general? Well, in certain ways, I think it makes it easier. I think when you're, you know, when I was younger, being so tall was was pretty challenging, and then you know, obviously being able to use it for volleyball was quite good. I mean, there were days that you even wished you were bigger, you know, when you played against the bigger girls or girls that were so athletic that you were like, Oh my God, if I could just be bigger. But I think now, I mean, at this age in my life, it isn't about easier. It's just, you have a one little layer of protection possibly. And also, um, athletes have it different than let's say a famous actor or famous musician where people have like, pretty crazy responses to, I think, um, I think we, we, people are pretty nice to us. And, and really if we lead with being friendly or nice, it's, 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 you know, 99.9%. It's a really positive experience. Uh, I wanted to talk to you about your book, which I think has now been several years since you Mm -hmm. wrote it. My foot is too big for the glass slipper, Mm -hmm. a guide to the less than perfect life. How long ago did you write that? Um, I think I wrote that book about four years ago. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess for about four years, yeah. Um, that, that just, I don't know if it was destined for the female audience or what, but I remember picking it up and just was, you know, enthralled by the, the, the rawness of it and the openness and so many interesting insights. It was called a guide in the, in the subtitle. I think it's a guide because we don't usually talk about this stuff. 
we just we just cover it up, uh, especially when someone's writing a book, but also in, in our own personal lives. Like we're not chit-chatting about these relationship difficulties or your, your fears as a parent and things like that. I think it's really healthy. And I think, you know, people sitting, you know, originally, initially, um, maybe before we've created this weird world of expectation and, and such, that um, people did share. They sat, whether they sat around you know, fires or visited with each other or had tea or whatever their versions of gathering were. And, or they would go to somebody and discuss maybe some very, um, I would think typical, uh, challenges. I think we all think our problems are also unique to us. And, and really once we exchange with other people, we realize it's, it's usually not that unusual. And, and, um, even the bad, even the hard, the really hard and bad stuff. It's like even that. I think it, the more we can create space for one another to take a look at it, to really figure out how we feel about it, to figure out how we want to respond to it, how we want to grow from it. Um, if it has to do with one of our children, how we help them manage it and get through it. I think it makes that whole process a lot more seamless. And to hide it or pack it away or you know, it just gnaws on you in a whole different way and keeps you from the action of improving whatever the challenge is. Um, and I, I think once we forego the idea of living up to the expectation of either our neighbor or, or the world around us or the ad man or whatever, um, that liberation becomes a freedom that I think everyone should be bold enough to say, that I have to take for myself, my messiness, my me my life that is beautiful and messy and, and wonderful and difficult, um, because that actually is closer to life. And I think that also we can teach that to our children, like the hard things are a part of life that is, you know, all of life, not just everything's perfect. You know, my marriage is perfect. My butt is perfect. My children are well behaved. Um, that's just not that's not really living. Yeah, it seems like we're progressing there really quickly with the, uh, the information age and the exchange of ideas and thoughts, and at the same time, still getting uh, the, the you know the remnants of the fake culture is still still alive and well with the uh, Kardashians' 14th season and whatever else is going on in celebrity culture. But it seems like it's uh, it's marching toward. Uh, those ideals of openness and vulnerability and being able to live an authentic life. And I love how you bring up the children because um, I have a lot of fears of what the future holds for my kids are a little older than yours. But, um, you know, if we don't kind of correct course and, and fix these things, um, there's, there's some heavy weights uh, over us right now. Yeah, I think, you know, uh, you know, the generation, we have a 23, a 15 and an 11 year old. And I think, not only are they going to be dealing with the distraction and the noise of technology, which is a wonderful tool in certain ways, um, but then they're dealing with the planet, the health of the planet, the environment, and and never getting a break, right? They're inundated all the time with new, news, information, bad news. Um, you know, I always joke that, like, adults aren't being even perceived as behaving very well. You know, at least like when I grew up, the perception was that they somebody was behaving well. And of course, they weren't either. But at least it looked like, OK, somebody's doing trying to be, you know, do the right thing. Um, 
And I think for them, it's going to be important, though, is how do we find our authentic self even in lieu of people criticizing that? Because that's the other thing. They all get that running commentary that you and I didn't grow up with. Everyone gets to tell you what they think and feel. So it's an interesting thing also where how will they get the courage to actually stand for something or a belief because you will, the nature of the beast and social commentary and all that, like you will pay a little bit of a price. I'm pleased to present B-Rad grass-fed whey protein isolate Superfuel, the absolute highest quality all-natural protein supplement infused with creatine that delivers everything you need to optimize your appetite for fat loss, recover quickly from workouts, and build and maintain lean muscle mass, the single most important attribute for aging gracefully. Our protein comes directly from small family farms in America's dairy land of Wisconsin. It's cold processed and micro filtered for maximum bioavailability and digestibility. So please don't mess with the many cheap commodity protein supplements that are ineffective, inferior, less pure, and often contain junk sweeteners, especially the plant-based offerings that are vastly less bioavailable than the gold standard of protein supplements that's whey protein isolate. Whether you're in your peak athletic years looking to grow and recover or in the older age groups trying to delay aging and decline, whey and creatine are widely agreed to be the most critical and effective supplements to take for the rest of your life. You can easily stir the superfuel in water or make a delicious smoothie every day. I'm certain that you're going to love the pleasant, light, natural vanilla bean and cocoa bean flavors. So try some on Amazon today. It's a huge hit with dozens of five-star reviews. Or you can order direct from bradnutrition.com with our buy three, get one free, and make the super fuel a centerpiece of your daily routine. I want to tell you about wildhealth.com. They're an online provider of comprehensive precision medicine and health consultation services. They offer DNA analysis, custom lab panels, extensive medical intake form with family history and lifestyle preferences, and regular online visits with a board-certified precision medicine physician and a health coach whom you can message anytime through their convenient app. Wild Health evaluates your data to determine what you need for nutrition, exercise, sleep, and supplements, and you can experiment, consult, and retest to get everything dialed in. You'll get a cutting-edge epigenetic test of DNA methylation to calculate your all-important biological age and have fun lowering your age over time instead of following the mainstream path to accelerated aging. It's time to strive for awesome instead of just normal. Did you realize that only 6.8% of Americans are deemed metabolically healthy and only 2% are declared optimal? That's disgraceful, but you can turn things around quickly. Please visit wildhealth.com and you will see that this is the absolute gold standard of personalized medicine and it's available to you right now. Telemedicine available anywhere in the USA. Wild Health is generously extending BRAD podcast listeners 20% off the cost of membership. 
Just visit wildhealth.com/brad or use the code brad20 at checkout to get 20% off and start taking control of your health today at wildhealth.com/brad. Well, also, do you have some concerns or some strategies uh, for your kids to kind of shield them or help them cope with uh, the high-profile life that they're thrust into because of their parents? You know, I think there, that could be maybe um, a misconception in a certain way where in ways like Laird and I are like the most boring sort of traditional in that sense of like we're together, we try to eat dinner together. Um, in ways we take on sort of traditional roles, even though, you know, I work and I'm into being athletic, there's elements that feel traditional. So, you know, if we have, let's say, for example, somebody um, that happens to be a well-known performer of any kind come to the house to train, um, my kids have grown up with that. So what what has happened for them is actually they have learned to, to measure people on who they are. And when people come with a big fancy title or all of this stuff before my kids actually have the capacity to decipher um, and get to who the person is. And so, so because we're not like in a ton of fabulous environments, if you will, you know, like I said, Laird wants to go to bed at 830. So there's, so in a way, and we're not, you know, people aren't running around chasing us, taking our picture. That's such a rare occasion. So my kids are pretty, pretty okay there. I think the only thing that we we've had to learn is, how do we not thrust upon them the expectation that they need to be like us in any way, that they have their own lane and their own path? And that's the thing I'm always trying to figure out is how do I make sure consciously that that doesn't get communicated to them in any way that there is an expectation that they are supposed to live or be like us because they're not. Right. I think kids feel that anyway, and they feel like they have to measure up to their sibling if their sibling's in a certain direction. And, yeah. oh, man, there's so many messages getting shoved down their throat these days, even even by their peers. And, um, yeah. you know, we, we, we're now existing in the age of the helicopter parent where uh, they're helping, you're, you're orchestrating your kid's college application. They could mm-hmm. be a, a champion volleyball player that's never, never, uh, never spiked a ball. Oh, yeah. So. I mean, where, where's your boundary line? I mean, I know you want to be a supportive, facilitating parent that, you know, help your kid realize your dreams. Uh, but, you know, how much is hands off and where are you guys stepping in to create their advantages? Uh, well, I, I never thought about creating their advantages. I, I think, um, I, you know, both Laird and I come from very different backgrounds as far as our backgrounds are actually quite similar but we didn't grow up in the mainland USA. And so our, I think our, our, the way we look at it is maybe just a little bit different. And, and I ended up going to college and playing volleyball on a scholarship. Um, but that certainly was a great surprise to me. And then, and Laird actually didn't even finish high school. And so um, I think both of us sort of feel like we'll try to create an environment where they feel uh, safe um, and loved and supported and um and as far as advantages like i think that's their own trip to navigate i think you know us shielding them because as it is we're already pretty you know things are pretty good for my kids so in a way 
for me to continue to add more layers of, you know, giving them an advantage is a huge disservice to them um, because they've got to navigate. They've got, they've got to, you know, I can't say to them, well, you should grow up like your dad and I, well, that's not happening. Um, you know, we, we have a, we've been fortunate and that we've made healthy living. So that in itself, yeah, it's great. It's an advantage. Like you can send your kid to take tennis lessons or ride horses. We couldn't do that. Right. But it would be unfair. I'd be doing them a disservice to try to navigate their path for them because it's, again, it goes back to it's, it's their genuine path. Um, now if one of them came to me and said, Hey, listen, like we've had this recently, my 15 year old daughter has decided she'd really like to play tennis more seriously. So she came and said, I would like to, I would like to train more. I would like to dedicate real hours to this. And so we said, okay, so that is about as far of the, of that as I can do as far as like getting her cutting shortcuts and all of that. Um, I'd rather see my kid not get into college, quite frankly, than show them that example because um, there's just so many ways to skin the cat. And who am I to push onto my kids, project onto them like, oh, this is the way you have to do it. Her, their dad and I have done it in some of the most unconventional ways that there are. And um, and also, what are we defining as success? Are we Are we encouraging our children to say, hey, I have a passion and a voice inside me and I'm willing to work hard for that? Um, is that, or is it like, no, you need to be a lawyer or a doctor. It's like, well, that doesn't make success for me. So I'm really interested in my kids, um, pursuing, you know, their own path. And so, um, and actually quite frankly, I hope that they bump up against some, some obstacles because that's how it works. Yeah. I'm starting to, uh, second guess the, the ideal of success as well and wondering, you know, you see people who maybe don't have that natural driven competitive intensity. So they're on the beach watching uh, dudes charge big waves and they're sitting there and uh, listening to music and drinking out of the coconut. And then they go uh, over to the local restaurant and ha have some food and some beers with their friends and go to sleep and do it again. And it seems like the world has enough uh, champion athletes, doctors, lawyers, accountants, uh, UPS drivers and so I'm wondering, you know, is there is there an access to uh, more happiness from kind of choosing out to such extent that I don't know, maybe maybe many parents would be disappointed if they got a postcard from their kid saying, yeah, I'm still here in Costa Rica. It costs nine dollars a day and I'm, I'm going to going to milk this puppy for another 18 months at this rate. Yeah, I think here's how I, I view that, where, which is if. There is not an internal conflict for them where, because, you know, purpose and meaning, right? I think what happens to us is if we get older and uh, why do we turn to alcohol or drugs or what have you, some of it obviously could be earlier trauma or something like that, but it could also be boredom or undirected energy. And so my only, my only sort of comment on that is, is if you really feel good drinking out of the coconut and you have that sense of you know, your own meaning and purpose, great. But I think that bites you in your ass if you think you're gonna live like that um, because you'll be frustrated because you didn't get to express yourself. Um, but if, if taking it all in and having that time with your friends or doing these things that you enjoy is a reflection of how you really feel, um, great, and lucky you. Right, right. Uh, there's, there's probably, yeah. 
there's probably more frustration than is is evident because there's a little voice inside i think we all want to make a contribution and feel special and feel accomplished yeah well that's you know if you go back to tribal living right that was the whole thing is what can i contribute to the tribe what is my gift what is my talent and listen that's not to say that when we see people that are very still and they're not trying to get anywhere and they're living that's a very powerful example you know, the rest of us are all scratching around, trying to obtain and get and do. And so I have a friend like this, um, but she does in the sense that she's an incredible fan. She has a, she's built an incredible family and there's a lot of doing in that. But what I always took from her was that she is living and she wasn't ever in her definition, trying to be someone or something. And in essence, um, then she's exactly who she is. And so I think, you know, typically we would want to bring our talents and gifts to our tribe, but then there are people who just by their walk and their capacity to love, which this, this friend I'm talking about has this, and also she's of service. That's the other thing. If you ever need help, she's like that. So what she's actually bringing is this attitude of love and service and, um, and the rest is like, you know, let, we could, it's okay to enjoy ourselves and, and uh, I'll love my family and, and take care of them and stuff. So, again, this goes back to people really trying to drill down without what's being told to them. What do I really want and who am I genuinely um, and sort of have that capacity to turn that noise off. And, and also for people to do that you know, throughout life, like we do it and then we should do it again. And then we should do it in the three years and then five years because we keep changing. Right. Different values, different goals. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so in your case, you said about your background that it wasn't uh, free and easy. And you, you, you quote said you weren't groomed to be successful. You talked mm -hmm. about being self-conscious about your height and luckily you had volleyball, but, um, Tell me a little bit about that journey where did you, you're coming into a high performing, uh, high, you know, high volume intensity lifestyle here. And is mm -hmm. that something that, do you feel like there was a, a fire lit uh, that was caused by struggle or is this kind of your natural destiny? What, what are the, um, what are the angles? Well, I think that's, it's a combination, right? I think we do all have a, a path and a destiny because you know, it, especially when you're living it, all of us can say, I am so very well aware that there is good fortune being bestowed upon me. It's nothing I'm really doing, right? And and, convert, and conversely, even the, ba the bad stuff that happens when you're younger, it's like, hey, I, I didn't do anything to deserve this. Um, it's, you know, it's sort of part of something greater than us. Um, I think I was born with the capacity uh, to do a lot of things meaning I have an innate work ethic. I have um, a pretty good ability to do many things um, pretty concisely at, you know, uh, all at once or sort of within close proximity of one another. I, I, so it's nothing I, 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 and certainly I developed it or honed it, but even raising my kids, like my youngest daughter, um, I can see in her certain traits that I was born with. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, hopefully she, you know, uses that to her benefit because there's things connected to it that are obnoxious. But, um, <laughs> well, because you, your ability to see so far down the road makes you anxious 
or makes you overanalyze it. And it's like, yeah, okay, shut up. Just let's go five steps, not 27, right? And my youngest is very much like that and has always been like that. So um, it was that. It was a great deal of fear, I'm, I think, as a young person sort of saying, okay, well, if I don't make this happen, um, it's not going to. And, uh, and then also there comes a point, though, where you have to recognize opportunity Go through the door, even when it's uncomfortable, take the chance, bust your ass when you get the moment, and understand that we none of us deserve anything, right? We, it's sort of like having the, the ability to go, I'm going to be really grateful for this opportunity, um, and, and, and just sort of maximize it and, and, see, and see where it goes if it feels really good to me. Um, I, I tried to actually not do things that didn't feel good to me, but... Um, and then I think the other side of that is then as you move through life, how do you get motivated by other things than your old story when you're young? You know, it's like I even have friends that are musicians and I'm like, can you write good music out of happiness? Because it's hard, right? A lot of good stuff comes out of torment and darkness and like, oh, I'm so tortured. And then I got to a certain age where I was like, okay, well, maybe I have lived longer on my own than I lived in my house. Um, I have created... I have been fortunate to be given and have created, participated in creating a really beautiful life. Can I use this to drive me? Um, and then what I found, and as silly as it sounds, is when you feel really grateful most of the time, um, that keeps you motivated because you sort of say, hey, listen, they, you're the steward of whatever thing you're holding. So you can acknowledge that you're pretty fortunate and take care of it and be a good steward or um, and use that to guide you and, and inspire you and motivate you to keep climbing because um, it's easy to lose the plot or use the same old story. You know, it's like I can't use the story when I was 17. It's like that story is over. That person is over. So you got to you got to move on and you can't blame other people. And it doesn't mean bad stuff doesn't happen to great people. And it is unfair. However, at some point we have to, we have to, you know, sort of rise out of those ashes and then also get new, new tools and new reasons for sure. Oh my goodness. It's gotta be a more powerful motivator than that, you know, primal drive to make something of your life. And, the athletes leverage this tremendously and Michael Jordan wants to, uh, you know, step on your throat and, and, and keep winning and keep winning. But a lot of times we see these highly successful people are poorly adjusted. They might even make it all the way up to uh, high political office, let's say, for example, or, or yeah. any other example. And they don't seem, you know, some of these high performers don't seem happy because they probably haven't leveraged what you just described, which is the, the gratitude that drives you to, to be in service primarily. And, and I guess in the case of a performer, the service is to you know, make people happy, including yourself. Yeah. Well, and to also realize to be able to stand on the stage and someone says, I'll buy tickets to come see you, pretty lucky pretty lucky. And I think the notion of, you know, before we used to covet, like when they talked about, oh, Renaissance men and all this stuff, it's like people who appreciated athleticisms and art and into philosophy and all these things. I do think actually, and it certainly it's hard to do, especially when you're really dedicated to something. Like I'm married to somebody who is dedicated to something for real. Um, 
And I see him always making an attempt to be a good father, to stay open to learning, you know, um, and, and does he skew more towards his mission? Yes, of course he does. And so I think when people are really good at something, i.e. music or sports, things like that, sometimes they don't keep working on trying to open up um, the balance envelope just enough. Because then also the interesting part is like when your life is like the collateral damage is a complete nightmare. So it's like awesome. You've made a billion dollars and like your life is a disaster. So I think at a certain point, and that's usually more common than not. So for me, I'm always really intrigued by people who they have that, you know, special gift. They landed it in the right situation to develop that gift and express that gift. Um, But somehow they sort of haven't lost the plot in the interim Um, because it, Selfishly, it's like I really think that that's only the way we can feel versions of happiness. I, I don't think we walk around going like I feel so happy, but like that good peace feeling. I think it doesn't come from I'm a winner, I'm really rich, I'm really powerful. Um, those things are nice. I just don't think that they're the end game. Wow, that's heavy. I mean, uh, if someone's struggling to to, to make it work. Uh, what would you say to them when when you're asking people to be motivated by gratitude and the the, the present uh, the present difficulty is so high? Maybe going back and talking to your teenage self, or mm-hmm. especially young people. I'm thinking of where they're just trying to figure everything out and they don't have any perspective to to lean on. Where do we go? You know, I I I, I mean, I can share ideas. I, I certainly know how unqualified I am. Um, to give too much advice, but, um, teenagers, it's, it's the hardest. Um, because also I didn't, I didn't grow up with a device and what they're contending with is something that I, I won't even pretend to understand what it's like to try to develop as a person with my own understanding of who I am and, or some version of that and a belief system and deal with my peers, um, and, you know, transitioning into a young adulthood and all these things with this device and the time in the world that we live in. Um, but I think, for example, if somebody's had anything that's that's bad that's happened to them, I think it's really important to communicate that with somebody that they trust and sort of clear the decks on that and start to a real process of looking at that, because that's something that then that ends up, re, you know, sort of stunting so many other things we're going to try to venture into, whether it's a work or a relationship. So if you're a young person, um, I think it's important to have a safe place to really show who you are and, and also have to share anything that, that you want. And, and if you're a little bit older, it's kind of the practice of looking at what's magical about life. Hmm. Um, you know, is it the color of the sky when you're driving? Is it recognizing uh, just there's very sweet moments everywhere that if we, if we're willing to just notice. And I think it adds to the sort of the tapestry of like, there is a lot of beauty in life. I just also have to be willing to recognize it. Um, it doesn't mean there isn't hard times. Um, and then every time, like, for example, I was just telling a friend of mine, if you have a hard time, um, these are the opportunities, right? This is it. Like, okay, this is, this is my opportunity to not only show what I'm made of, but it's also an opportunity to probably learn something important. 
And also the less I resist it, most likely the quicker I can get through it. You know, I think when we resist things and we have conflict and we're so definitive about our beliefs about things, um, we're going to be in that state of resistance. And I think, um, it, you know, if we can flow, even when it's hard, I think it'll, it spits us out sooner, if you know what I mean. Um, and, and I hate to say it, but life has a learning, a level of acceptance, uh, to things. Doesn't mean you can't change things or improve them, but starting with acceptance and also accountability, because then, then you give yourself the the power. So for a young person, if you don't like something, you could blame your parents your whole life. You could, because we screw up, but that takes the power out of your hands. So for any person, I always say, keep the power. Hey man, how's your sexual function? Oh, uncomfortable talking about it? Look, we talk about our injured knees, our belly fat, so it's time to get focused on function. I want to tell you about Gainswave. This is a cutting-edge protocol where a handheld device sends low-intensity shock waves into your penile blood vessels to stimulate a healing response and promote increased blood circulation and the growth of new blood vessels. A skilled practitioner puts the Gainswave magic wand onto your magic wand, and after a series of 6 to 12 very brief treatments, which are painless but extremely effective, you get real results. Gainswave reports an 80% success rate. Now, we know that popping pills is a popular penile protocol, but when you're working with clogged pipes, you just get a temporary Band-Aid effect when you take prescription drugs. Gainswave addresses the cause of age-related decline by stimulating growth factors and activating dormant stem cells. Translation, stronger, harder, more sustainable erections. I learned about Gainswave from my podcast guest, Dr. Judson Brandeis at the Brandeis MD Clinic in Northern California, and there's a robust network of Gainswave providers that you can find on their website near you. Complete a series of treatments, and the beneficial effects will last for a long time, especially if you eat and exercise well to promote overall vascular health. It's a tune-up for your equipment, and while it's great for ED, Gainswave is for any man that wants to combat the effects of aging and get a little boost for your A-game. So please visit Gainswave.com slash Brad. That's G-A-I-N-S-W-A-V-E dot com slash B-R-A-D to find a practitioner in your area, and you can take advantage of my special promotion, buy six treatments, and get one free. You have nothing to lose and lots to gain from gainswave.com slash Brad. I'm pleased to present B-Rad grass-fed whey protein isolate Superfuel, the absolute highest quality all-natural protein supplement infused with creatine that delivers everything you need to optimize your appetite for fat loss, recover quickly from workouts, and build and maintain lean muscle mass, the single most important attribute for aging gracefully. Our protein comes directly from small family farms in America's dairy land of Wisconsin. It's cold processed and micro filtered for maximum bioavailability and digestibility. So please don't mess with the many cheap commodity protein supplements that are ineffective, inferior, less pure, and often contain junk sweeteners. 
especially the plant-based offerings that are vastly less bioavailable than the gold standard of protein supplements that's whey protein isolate. Whether you're in your peak athletic years looking to grow and recover or in the older age groups trying to delay aging and decline, whey and creatine are widely agreed to be the most critical and effective supplements to take for the rest of your life. You can easily stir the super fuel in water or make a delicious smoothie every day. I'm certain that you're going to love the pleasant, light, natural vanilla bean and cocoa bean flavors. So try some on Amazon today. It's a huge hit with dozens of five-star reviews. Or you can order direct from bradnutrition.com with our buy three, get one free, and make the super fuel a centerpiece of your daily routine. Uh, Quincy Jones says uh, childhood trauma has an expiration date. I agree. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and it can be very liberating. And unfortunately, there's people who have stuff that's really, really heavy to deal with. And, um, and even with them, it's like, but there's still so much life to live and there's so much beauty. And I know that's easier said than done, but, um, it is possible. And I feel like it's people's right. It is their right. And so the quicker we can sort of gather up our feelings and our power, um, then I think our, the quicker we can make our life sort of the, the picture that we see in our mind, because every person is born with this, this picture of what their life is. And it could be completely different than the one they're born to. And that's so great. Um, but if we're sitting there going, oh, this happened and they did this and that, you know, it, that's a hard thing to navigate out of. Whew. Pretty heavy. Everyone gets to take one breath now and let that soak in. Uh, let's, let's say for argument's sake that you're really good at this stuff. So you can handle, uh, the ups and downs more so than the next person. I'm going, thinking back to that book where you're detailing this, uh, this relationship with Laird and it was, uh, wild and, uh, immediate at the start. You moved in after eight days together and then you filed for divorce a few years later. And then this happened in a public stage and that happened in a public stage and you're making it work. And, uh, every day's, uh, a wonderful adventure that you continue to sign up for. And I'm wondering, uh, it seems like, some other people, a different type of personality is just incapable of those ups and downs and requires something different out of life and therefore, uh, you know, gets, gets knocked to the ground from uh, a minor uh, detour on the, on the road to uh, the yellow brick road. And how do, they, how, do they, uh, how do they work on that part of themselves? Is it, is it, um, is it innate or can you, can you take steps toward going with the flow better. I think we all have the capacity. I think uh, obviously certain things, it's like flexibility or strength or certain things. Like some of us have other traits more naturally than others. Right. And I think there's certain things maybe we come with where you look at the person and you go, God, they can do that so well. Like somebody who's good at math or something. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think all of us, um, this is, this is how I look at it. It isn't about, Oh, I can't do that. It's going, okay, so that doesn't come easily to you. So what out there can help you create a system and a practice that helps you be able to feel and respond the way you're looking to? And I think that people have to realize that it is a practice. 
So even, I mean, I have a, I, I would say for the last 18 years, I've had a pretty harmonious relationship with Laird. And that early bump was kind of me learn, having some really big lessons. But also, it's even like my training and eating. I wake up each day and I still have to exercise my practice of, okay, I'm going to choose to eat this. Um, if I'm in a bad mood, I'm not going to take it out on my family, you know? And so people have to put also a consciousness, I think, into their thoughts, their words, who they're with, um, and, and find like, you know, I was, uh, listening, uh, recently to, to Byron Katie and she, you know, she has this program called the work and it's literally like they have worksheets and stuff like, it's like, it isn't like, okay, listen, we're going to talk about a couple concepts and you're good to go. It's like, no, this is, it's like a meditation practice. This is a practice. And sometimes if we wake up each day and we can look at life as a practice where you're going to do your very best, then all of a sudden that kind of builds upon itself. Like you can be like, there's my ego. Oh, okay. Here's my fear. Oh, okay. Um, this is the worst food I eat. This doesn't support me. Maybe I can eliminate the single worst food or the worst habit. Um, I'm going to make my bed each day. Why? Task completion, right? Now, if you're a teenager, I get it. It's brains doing different things. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about creating systems that help you navigate life, whether certain diet, because also what's hard for somebody in one area is going to be easier for them. And conversely, what might be easier for me might be a real challenge. And, um, and so I think it's about recognizing like, no, we can't do it alone. And nobody has the answers. But practice is pretty important. Well, I'm reflecting on the importance of fitness in my life, my entire life, same for you. And I don't know any different. So I'm I'm assuming maybe this stuff is way more important than I give it credit for, uh, because I don't miss that many workouts, or I'm you know always uh, stretching or doing doing something rather than sitting around. And um, now we're having scientific research showing that your your brain oxygenation and blood flow is affected by your movement patterns, and being able to to adhere to a, a dietary protocol probably carries over into all manner of other things in life. I'm, I'm super big on the, the chest freezer cold plunge now every morning, and I've been doing that for about two years straight. And for me, because I'm a freewheeling guy and I can do whatever I want with my day, the fact that I can tell you and the public, like, I jump in this 36-degree water every day. I know there's health benefits and a hormone boost, but just to be able to have that pattern in place, I'm, I'm hoping and I, I assume I'm leveraging that to my amount of discipline I apply when I'm working on a book or, or trying not to take out my anger on my family, as you describe. Yeah, I think, listen, personal accountability. Um, I even say like, let's say I have a, an argument with Laird, let's say, um, and, and it's something we actually try to avoid. Um, or we just, you know, it's not a good, it's not a good look. Um, <laughs> And let's say I'm going to, I'm going to say this a, a few years, maybe 15 years ago, I had this thought, well, I'm right. Cause Laird is a much more humble kind of gracious person in certain ways than I am. And, um, and so, uh, I always said, okay, we could have this conflict and let's say I am right for argument's sake, whatever that means. But within it, within the discussion, if he makes a point and it's only 10% of the discussion, let's say, 
but he has a point. What I started to do was look at it and go, okay, the big part of the conversation, if we were saying right and wrong, I was right. But what's important for me to focus on is his point. If he has a point in there, because if it helps me be better and me learn, I have to be willing to listen to that and hear it and not just be like, well, I'm right. But just to look and, and so within that, again, this goes back to, we can look at our life and go, this is unfair and that's unfair and this happened to me and they did this to me and I was born like this and I'm this tall and I weigh this much. Or we could say, what's pretty good? What's great? What's the starting point? Even if at that time it feels like it's such a small part of what we think is the whole pile because then we, again, can take charge and build upon, but we have to be willing to take charge. If we sit in the, you know, on the couch and blame everything and everyone, um, and also by the way, there's a little bit of uncomfortable work that must happen. We've got to stress ourselves in positive ways. We just do. Expansion happens. And so it's not about trying to find drama with your loved ones, and that's a stress. No, how do we exert, like, your ice? That's not going to hurt anyone. That's a positive stress. So it doesn't mean taking up something you didn't want. Does it mean going walking a little further than you did the day before if you're just starting out again? Is it not changing your whole lifestyle but saying, okay, um, I love diet soda, it's time for me to give it up. Just creating positive stresses and discipline, you know, these are parts of kind of putting it together. Um, and it's completely unavoidable. And I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're layered, who can deal with like the most discomfort and is trained more than any person I know. Guess what? When he wakes up each day, you're earning it that day. Your, your relationships, your work, your, you know, it's all of it. It's like we don't arrive. It's a living, moving dynamic that also, by the way, though, we could also, there's so many opportunities to make so many things even better each day. Um, we won't be younger each day, but, but, but that's life. So I think it's about, uh, you know, kind of going, well, in which way could I be better today? And, and, and we can be in charge of that. So I, I would motivate people to see where the chink in the armor is because it's really good to know yourself and be, and be like, okay, what can I do to help support myself and, um, and work from there? Well, back to the argument where if you have a desire to be in a, a loving, productive relationship, by definition, the person has a point if they think they have a point. <laughs> And their, their point might have been, uh, my, my feelings were hurt when you did this or said this. And your first reaction is, that's so ridiculous. You're, you're wrong. Uh, and then you're down, uh, you're, you're going down the wrong road. So uh, that never, works. That, never that? Works. that never works. Right. right. Well, that's also our trigger because the idea that we hurt the person we love makes us very afraid instead of saying, okay, um, can you explain what you mean? And that certainly was not my intention. I, and by the way, it took me a good solid seven years to, to freely find the way to say, I'm sorry. It was very hard for me because the way I grew up, I had to secure and hold on to my own truth so desperately 
because I didn't have people around me that I really could trust. So I had to be so definitive about what I was thinking and feeling that it also made it be like really hard for me to say I was sorry. And with Laird, Laird has taught me that, but we just have to realize if we're triggered, why are we triggered? And we certainly can't tell people how they're feeling. You know, you can't tell anyone, well, that you're not feeling that. Well, no, no, they are. And, um, and it's so much quicker. This goes back to when we don't put up resistance, you can get through it like that. I mean, they can say, well, this hurts my feelings. And you can say, oh, did I? Okay, well, can you explain to me how? And you know what? I'm so sorry. That was not my intention. And let me tell you, that's actually more important than never hurting their feelings. Because mm. they can say, I can go to this person with my feelings and trust them to handle it carefully. And that will inspire me the next time I'm feeling something to say something. And you become a, a safe person. And then hopefully you inspire them to be a safe person. And, and then you can, you can have your feelings. Because we all have our feelings. I mean, you know. Feelings yeah, I guess. Are- if you're both safe, you then have some emotional control, emotional stability built into the relationship where you can share without the, 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 the drama and the emotional charge that we see in, in dysfunction. I think that would be the, the ultimate goal. But that's why we have to try to find ways to be productive and challenged positively in life. Because if we're not, we definitely will look for it, some action somewhere and so it's probably with a partner being like you know what i'm a little bored let's liven this up a little bit so that's why i think getting out there and trying to like make your life colorful with stuff that like works in your favor um and experience things because then you won't need to have that as much at home i mean hopefully you have excitement and you know uh, growth and, and certainly healthy challenges, you know, there are challenges in me all the time, um, and passion and things like that. But hopefully it won't have to be like, I get all my excitement from creating friction with my partner. Oh my goodness. I'm, I'm thinking of, uh, Bruce Lipton's book, biology of belief, where he says with great scientific support that we're operating from the subconscious 95 to 99% of the time in life. And so becoming conscious, we use that as a buzzword to, to you know, identify a, a good behavior. But um, we don't even realize that we thrive on drama and conflict and we'll create it when we get bored or unfulfilled in other ways. And that one was pretty heavy because um, if, if your pattern behavior is ruling the show almost all the time, wow, it could cause some, could cause some trouble and some pain and suffering until you, until you wake up and realize what's going on the next time you have a, a, a nitpick back and forth with coworker, partner, kid, whatever. Yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, listen, in some ways it's sort of like easier just to like shoot your emotions everywhere and be like, oh, you know, screw them and oh, I did it and all these things. They're sort of a free willingness. I mean, the other takes a level of like uh self-restraint, discipline, almost you hold your tongue sometimes until you go, okay, let me hear the words and let me not respond. Let me really hear what they're saying. Um, However, in the long run, I feel like it is so much, it just creates an opportunity to be more expansive and, and have a relationship 
that, uh, whether it's with your children or your friends or whatever, where, listen, I'm not a, where someone could go, you know, Gabby's not a perfect person and like, and like, here's all her flaws, but there's this there, she does create safe space. Um, and, and I had, I had to learn that and the hardest people that to learn that for were actually my children because I'm, I'm not objective. I can actually almost be objective even with Laird with my own kids. I wasn't objective. So I even within there, I had to learn how to listen without fixing or changing or telling them, shifting how they felt, whether it had to do with me or not. Um, and just, you know, be and make that space for them too and not re react to everything they said or, or even said to me about me. Um, wow. So that, and that's an ongoing, by the way. <laughs> oh, I was just going to ask, like, at what, oh, point do you, at what point do you step in? At what point do you just there as the listening mom? That's a battle. It's a challenge. It's a, it's ongoing. And sometimes like I took my 11 year old to school today and I was like, you know, she, she's pretty tough. Like she's a kid. You can say, well, how was your school day today? And she's like, I don't really want to talk about school. And after you do that, like eight times in a row, then the, my personality, cause I'm, it's very comfortable for me to be quiet. I'm an only child. Um, I actually have to work in different ways at being messy and open and all these things. And part of like, yeah, fine. I don't need to ask this kid like how her day is, you know, like I don't, but but within that, it's like, I'm her mom, so I've got to be the adult in that way, like be a good example. And I, I have no right to say, you know, it, it hurts my feelings when, you know, I ask you how your day is and, you know, you hurt mommy's feelings when you say you don't want to talk about it because now I'm using guilt, right? That's inappropriate. She was very clear with her feelings. She doesn't want to talk about her day. And then I start getting insecure as a parent, like, well, I mean, is it unparental if I don't ask her how her day is? Cause it's the ninth day. And a part of me is like, yeah, screw that. I'm not asking her how her day is. Right. So even within that, I'm always trying to work on like fair play, not putting my crap on them. And also though being like, yeah, I'm good. I I'm, I'm cool. Like 15 times of that behavior. Um, I'm, I can take a little space. So those are, they're the hardest ones, I think, to, um, to artfully make space for, or not save them from every heartache, not distract them with like how great their life is. That's why they shouldn't be sad over here. Oof. It's like that, you know, it's like, that doesn't even kind of, work on adults sometimes. Yeah. And it's like, so I'm even trying, you know, so I think even to that, it's like to listen and to be there and to be loving and to not make it about me and my crap as often as I can. And I fail as much as I pull it for sure. Maybe less. I don't know. Well, speaking of that safe space, if you become that way as a parent, then predictably uh, when the kid needs to open up or have someone to confide in, it might not be till she's 15 or it might not be when you on your time schedule. I remember my my epic uh, occasion with my son who was, you know, very competitive high school basketball player and they just had a devastating loss in a championship game and it was about a three hour drive back home. And I got in the car and I, I thought to myself, maybe this is, you know, time to, to let him talk first and just be quiet. Because I had all kinds of things to say about the substitution patterns of the coach and whatever happened. And uh, that car was silent for 90 minutes. 
And after 20, I was feeling very uncomfortable and wondering if I should say something. But I said, I'm not going to be the first guy to cave, you know. And then uh, we, we got to uh, the next town with Chipotle, and that was the first words that came out. And then it was a steady stream for the next 90 minutes of the three-hour drive, him, you know, unloading nonstop and processing everything and me thinking that I was being helpful. But if I had done so much as say one sentence in that first 90 minutes, we could yeah. have had a fork in the road. I think it's really powerful when a parent gives that space to their child to they for them really to tell you how they're feeling, um, you know, and and um, as uncomfortable as it can be for us, I think um, you are reinforcing that they can come and talk to you, that you don't always have to cast your opinion on it, and uh, you know, get the checklist, whip it into the list, and you know, and solve everything and. Um, and just to be a person who listens to them and, and, um, and then hopefully they go into their adult life with that, with that skill set, Right. And, and also realizing like, Oh, see, there are people in the world who listen and this person isn't one of them. So I don't know if I'm comfortable being friends with them or dating them. So I think it's really a powerful, powerful thing. And then hopefully maybe they know how to do it for other people, you know, where, um, you know, you just, you listen. Oh, yeah, we forgot about that aspect of parenting, that maybe your kid's going to be a parent someday and you're setting, setting uh, the, the positions. Wow, love it. Oh, oh yeah. Gabby, so your, your fitness commitment, uh, what is it like today and what does it represent in terms of achieving that balance in life or that, that stress management and that mindfulness? Well, um, you know, listen, I think it's – it's easier to have a sound mind if you're working on having a somewhat healthy body. And, and, you know, certainly I used to be all, you know, about performance and then it is still about performance. Uh, I would like to have a high level of vitality, life force, and, um, be able to move and do the things I want to do and play. But, um, uh, it also helps me armor up against my many, uh, emotional flaws and the, the games that my mind likes to play on me. So I feel like when my, my body is like, I always joke, it's the cheapest therapy that you can have. It's like, oh, okay, I just had an ass kick workout. I'm just a much more clear, you know, adaptable sort of reasonable human being. And so I think it's, it becomes that too. And, and, and listen, there are days I'm, or, or periods of time I'm less fired up than others and that's for sure. And that's natural. And I know how to get through those. But, um, you know, it, I always say with people, a lot of people don't have a lot of extra resources to throw at exercise. So whether that's time or money. Um, and then the other more important component to that is that they actually haven't made it clear to themselves why it's important. And so um, you will never have any time or extra dollars to throw at it if you've not really genuinely arrived at the place where you, you know it's important. So I, I learned a long time ago, you know, a long time ago, more than 30 years ago, I understood that it was important. And, um, and so I'm, I'm committed. I've taken the emotion out of that um, probably in my early 20s. I took the emotion out of like, I don't feel like it. It's like, okay. Ooh, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a big secret right there. You, <laughs> I mean, you don't have to ask yourself if you're motivated or not, or you're, you're in the perfect emotional state to go to the gym and lift some kettlebells. You just do it automatic behavior. 
yeah, it's just, you know, if the, if it creeps in like, uh, it's like, you know, on. And the only time I don't, the only time I really honor myself is when I don't feel good. Like if I'm genuinely, genuinely tired or I'm in a place emotionally that it's actually not going to be good for me. It would be better for me to stretch or do some breathing and not kick my ass with a bunch of hard metal. Like I need, maybe I'm too much metal at that moment and I need something soft and, and watery or airish or something other, but that's after years of doing it when I don't want to do it. So I'm, I'm comfortable with knowing that I'm probably being decently honest with myself about that. I was going to ask you how you how you balance everything and and manage all these disparate roles since you're into your busy gal we could we could end up on that because I'm sure you have a busy day uh, and I noticed um some secrets have come up one of them at the start of the show you said you and Laird have a boring lifestyle and then the other one I read on your website was this uh practice of active ignoring Oh yeah so tell us about active ignoring and, and how boring you are, because it seems like uh, hard to imagine that you guys are boring when every other day there's something you know, something popping up. Well, I think, um, you know, as far as active ignoring, I used to joke like sometimes, and I know hu- actually um, husbands and boyfriends do this quite a bit. Because I, I do think, and, and people, you know, can say whatever they want. Women typically like to talk more than men, and we like to sort of talk about all kinds of things that have nothing to do with really an end result or a solution. We just sort of like to talk about stuff. And I'm a female that actually talks a lot less than other females. And I know, compared to Laird, in certain ways, I'm I would like to talk. And I've seen him actively listening but he's probably ignoring, like think about a guy who's been with his wife for 50 years, you know, and she's like, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And sometimes like with kids, it's like, uh, I used to joke that I, I'm not going to go up and down on the roller coaster with everything they're doing. And I want them to feel that I'm there. So I'm actively kind of ignoring them at the same time. And, and that's also to protect myself because um, I, I mean, I, I, I live with a lot of, I have a family, like I live with a lot of people. Like the joke is like, I used to joke and come home and be like, you know, who are all these people in my house? And I'm like, Oh, it's my family. And so just almost sometimes almost taking little moments to protect yourself, meaning, you know, the part of you that's trying to stay balanced and fair and reasonable and thoughtful and conscious. Well, you can't do that when you're just like out here everywhere. So sometimes there's correct opportunities to kind of go inside yourself a little bit and build a nice little kind of bubble around that person and restore them throughout the day so they can continue trying to be all those things throughout the day. Because otherwise you, you could see me on the days I don't do it at six o'clock and I'm like, I'm out, I could be out of my mind. Or I have had maybe three times a year, I might just, I tap out. It's like 7 PM. And I look at Laird and I'm like, I'm going to bed. Like dinner's done. And I literally, I walk away. Cause I know I hate everyone or I, I'm like, Oh, this is this. I didn't sign up for this BS, you know? And like, I'm in that thinking. So I'm like, okay, just go to bed, you know? Cause I didn't protect the, the human in me that's trying to 
you know, be cool. And, uh, and so she, she got, she got her ass kicked and now she's crazy. Um, so that's one. And, and as far as like doing everything or whatever, I, I think it's just, everybody's doing a lot and we have to realize that most of it's our choice. Most of it. And people who are really doing a lot are people who are working two and three jobs to keep the lights on. That's doing a lot because you're doing everything you can to do kind of the basics. And so that's working a lot. That's doing a lot. What I'm doing is I have a lot of opportunities and I'm navigating them and organizing them. That's it. That's not doing a lot. And, uh, I'm very clear about that. And, uh, and as far as boring, it's like, you know, we don't drink. We're not, you know, we're not doing drugs. We go to bed early. Um, because I think both of us independently and together are clear that, um, that practice that we talked about, I think it feels pretty important. And, uh, and part of that is like being your biological animal, which is like, okay, let's go to bed. You said independently. So you, you both bring an independent commitment and then I guess nurture that in the partnership as well. Yeah, like Laird would not be different in so many ways if I was not married to him. I would be more different, quite frankly. I would have a much more like going to dinner, nighttime, social, not like partying because I've never been a partier. Even when I lived in New York City at 18 by myself modeling, I never was a partier. That's not my deal. Um, it's more about like seeing friends and doing that at night. Laird's like, get all that done in the day. Um, but Laird would be, uh, I think he would be less out in the world if I wasn't his partner. I think you all would see a lot less of Laird, interview Laird or no Laird. Um, but as far as his daily practice, that bugger would be doing exactly what he's doing. And I think that's important. I think you've got to enhance each other. But ultimately, in some way, it's got to feel like it's your value systems living and being able to breathe together within the unity, not, okay, we're all sacrificing for this person's value system or all that person. It's like, no, it's got to be both, you know, being reflected. Um, yeah, Laird always like, it looks like you guys do all the fun stuff when I leave. Like if he goes out of town, I'm like, yeah, because you want to go to bed at 830. And if we got to stay up till 10, like, you know, so... Oh, love it, Gabby. Thank you so much for spending the time. I always, always appreciate your insights. What do we, uh, what do you got going now? Where should we go? Follow you, check you out. What's happening? I'm not worried about any of that. There's... You can find her, people. Don't worry. <laughs> you can... Gabby Reese, one of a kind. You can find me. Definitely, definitely get the book. I listened to the audio book, uh, and um, that was that was fun and games uh, being I mean, with you for six hours. Be... Yeah, it's supposed to be fun and and. Um... I think I just hope that all people realize like that they do the work to figure out how it works for them, whether it's the movement, the eating, the type of life or job you want to have. If like I could represent anything and Laird and I, we talk about this a lot. It's just that like, just to remind people like, you know, it is hard to be true to yourself and scary um, but really what's the alternative? And so why not give it a go while you're here? Why not people go do it. Be yourself. Thank you, Gabby Reese. Thank you. Have Thanks a good for one. Listening, everybody.
thank you for listening to the show. We would love your feedback at getoveryourselfpodcast at gmail.com. And we would also love if you could leave a rating and a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. I know it's a hassle. You have to go to desktop iTunes, click on the tab that says ratings and reviews, and then click to rate the show anywhere from five to five stars. And it really helps spread the word so more people can find the show and get over themselves because they need to. Thanks for doing it. This is Brad. I want to tell you about my life-changing acquisition of a personal home-use sauna. I have a 6 by 6 barrel sauna in my backyard, ready-made heat therapy, a fabulous unit from Almost Heaven. Check out their website. You can very affordably order your own sauna for installation in your backyard or garage and have a sauna experience, the fabulous health benefits accruing from exposure to hot temperatures. Get that sweat going. These are beautiful, traditional dry barrel saunas where you splash the water on the rocks, go in there and relax. It's become a social centerpiece at my home. People traveling from far and wide to come check out the barrel sauna, turn the dial or set the timer and walk in to 200 degrees in the Caribbean seas. For some reason, people like to come to the sauna more than my cold tub. Go figure. Check out almostheaven.com and their beautiful natural wood designs. And pretty soon, surprisingly affordable, you will be in the home sauna business.